Welcome to episode 136 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church, for Christ Church, and for all who would uh, care to listen in. Uh, we're happy to be here uh, this morning uh, recording another episode of our uh, church podcast, and I'm uh, John Payne, a Senior Minister of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina, and I am here with my co-host, Dr. Gabriel Williams, a Professor of Atmospheric Physics, uh, whatever that is, uh, <laughs> at the College of Charleston, and uh, it's good to be with you again this morning, Gabe. It's good being with you. We are uh, approaching a very special weekend uh, in the uh, remembrance of our Lord's death and resurrection. Now, of course, we say this uh, not being those who hold to the church calendar. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are Sabbatarians. We believe there are 52 holy days every year, mm-hmm. and on every one of those days, we set our hearts and minds and affections upon the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, He is the focus of our worship, and of course, as we come to the Lord's table every Lord's Day, uh, we remember the death of Christ uh, and the resurrection of Christ, because that table symbolizes not only His death, but also uh, points us forward to that great wedding feast that we will enjoy with Him forever in resurrected glory. Amen. Uh, And so, uh, we come to talk about these things, recognizing that, but also understanding that uh, in our culture and uh, Western civilization, uh, Christendom, as it were, has given special attention to uh, the, the the death of Christ, uh, Good Friday, mm-hmm. as many would call it, and also uh, Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, we want to spend a little time uh, in the next couple of episodes talking about these uh, important aspects of the ministry of our Lord. Uh, first of all, Gabe, we want to talk about uh, the death of Christ, the death Mm -hmm. of Christ on the cross. Uh, There is a lot of misunderstanding that surrounds the death of Christ. People uh, look at it in all kinds of ways, and uh, it's important that we understand why Jesus went to the cross, what was the meaning of the cross, Mm -hmm. how uh, His work on the cross benefits us as sinners. And Mm -hmm. uh, one verse I wanted to read as we uh, begin this discussion is in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare His own Son, Mm -hmm. but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things. Uh, what an encouraging verse. In fact, this is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. I don't know how you have a favorite verse, but uh, there are so many. But uh, this really uh, is a verse that uh, captures my heart. And I think really, in a nutshell, sets forth uh, the gospel in a, in a glorious way. And before we get into our discussion, I wanted to read uh, from John Murray from one of his sermons. Uh, John Murray was a professor at Westminster Seminary, Philadelphia, uh, back in the mid-20th century. And in terms of God delivering over his own son, the Father giving his own son, uh, and 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 contemplating the love of God in the giving over of his own son and the not sparing of him. Murray writes this, Now what does this mean? In this we see the marvel of the Father's love to the people whom he had chosen. It was uh, the person uniquely related to the Father as well, uh, excuse me, as the beloved Son and uniquely loved by the Father with infinite and immutable love whom the Father did not spare. 
The reason is that if he had spared him, if any of the judgment had been left for the people of God to bear, then all whom the Father had chosen would have been consigned to perdition. Mm. The Father loved his people with such an invincible love and purpose that he executed the full toll, the full stroke of their condemnation upon his own Son. That is the Father's love. Do you stagger with amazement? Does your mind reel with amazement? Oh, let that not be the amazement of bewilderment, but may it be the amazement of believing and adoring wonder. And so as we think about uh, the work of Christ on the cross, Gabe, one of the biggest misconceptions that comes out of it is this idea uh, that really this is sort of Jesus just defending us against the Father, that uh, the mm. Father is all wrath, He's all judgment, yeah. uh, and Jesus is sort of putting His hands up at the cross and saying, uh, don't, don't do this to, to my people. Mm-hmm. And there's a misconception of the love of God the Father. Maybe we can talk about that misconception first. Yeah, and this goes back to a doctrine that um, occurs uh, many times in our confessions, and you also see it in many books regarding the covenant of redemption, that when we speak about what Jesus himself came to do, it wasn't just a, a, Jesus was not presented as simply a victim of bad political engagements going on with Pilate and the high priest and the Jews, but rather this was a plan before time, before anything existed, that the Father would send the Son to die in the place of sinful rebels like we are. And so when Jesus is on earth, he references this idea numerous times that he is not here just for his own doing, but he has come here with a mission, that he is doing what the Father has sent him to do. He's accomplishing his Father's will and purpose. And that's true with regards to all of the ministry of his life in terms of the healing, the teaching, but it also must therefore be true of his death. Otherwise, what will happen, and this is what you alluded to, is that people would therefore see the cross as simply just being an injustice that happened to some person 2,000 plus years ago. But really, what the Gospels themselves say very clearly is that Jesus proclaims himself that Jesus was not killed unwillingly. He willingly laid his life down for his sheep. The father was pleased to send his son. So this was not an issue of Jesus himself being at odds with the father. Rather, it was the joint, so to speak. It was the united will of the father, son, and spirit to accomplish this purpose. Yes, in in John chapter 6, we have an allusion to this uh, covenant of redemption. That's what we call this eternal covenant made between the Father and the Son to save a people. This is all a part of the the plan and the purpose of God, as we'll read uh, later uh, from one of uh, Peter's sermons in Mm -hmm. Acts 2, that Christ's death was uh, predestined by the Father. It was foreordained, and uh, it was a part of uh, His purpose to save a rebellious people. Uh, of course, uh, the government was corrupt in Rome. Uh, of course, uh, Jesus was not treated fairly. Uh, but over and above it all was the invisible hand of God the Father mm-hmm. ordaining all of this uh, in order that Christ would die uh, for his people. He did not spare his own son, but gave him over for us all. But in John 6, uh, verse 44, Jesus says this, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me Mm -hmm. draws him. 
The Father sent the Son because He loves the world. He loves sinners. And he, and he writes this, And I will raise Him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. Mm-hmm. And then uh, earlier, uh, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven. This is verse 38, John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of Mm -hmm. all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So, you don't get any sense here, uh, Christ in the midst of his public ministry uh, is without a purpose. That's right. Uh, Quite the contrary. Uh, The whole reason that he came into the world, was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life, Mm -hmm. was because he was headed to Jerusalem, to Mm -hmm. Golgotha's hill. And this is actually what magnifies the love of God in very clear ways. And so you mentioned one of your favorite verses is Romans 8.32. One of mine's is a couple of chapters before, Romans 5, 6 through 10. Because it speaks about the reality of who we are in relation to Jesus Christ. So Romans 5, 6 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that is the actual picture of what the death of Christ is. Christ is not dying for friendly people who wanted him. Christ is dying for the people who mocked him and scourged him while going to the cross. Christ is dying for the ones who blasphemed his name and mocked him while he was on the cross Mm -hmm. bleeding and dying. Christ is dying for those who shake their fists at the heavens and make war against God. Christ is dying for those people. So as you know, this is saying here, while we were enemies of God, not while we were his friends, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. That doesn't make sense unless Christ did that willingly. And that's the main emphasis point here is that his willingness to go to the cross is in spite of the hatred of mankind. In that text, it says, uh, perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die, right? And mm-hmm. we, we've seen that uh, yes. throughout history, uh, uh, a soldier jumping on a grenade in order mm-hmm. to save his comrades, um, uh, a bodyguard stepping in front of a president, taking mm-hmm. a bullet. Um, uh, we have many examples of people giving their lives, but when you begin to open up the subject of one giving their life for their enemies, mm-hmm. Uh, one giving their life for rebels in the kingdom, and not just that, the king giving his life for the rebels and the enemies. Uh, that is something the world does not know uh, much about, but is clearly highlighted in the gospel where God the Father spared not his only son because of his love for sinners and the son giving his own life over uh, in order to save 
rebellious, wretched sinners like us, and the Spirit being sent into the world in order mm -hmm. to to unite sinners to Jesus Christ mm -hmm. savingly, uh, that is a love incomprehensible. Mm -hmm. uh, and Gabe, one thing that's hard for people to understand in our own day, because of the extreme uh, individualistic, sort of narcissistic, uh, there can't be anything wrong with me culture, when you begin talking about the gruesomeness mm -hmm. of the cross and the wrath of God being unleashed against Christ in order that it would be removed from us, it's hard a lot of times for people to to understand that, to, to, to comprehend that, because they don't see themselves as sinners in the first place. Yeah. Uh, they see life through the lenses of, of the therapeutic. Yeah, maybe mm -hmm. I'm imbalanced here and there, and uh, perhaps I, I have some problems, but uh, mm -hmm. a sinner? You're calling me a sinner and a rebel against God? Well, that's a... Uh, that's a whole new level of uh, of of uh, thinking that that a lot of people are um, unfamiliar with, and this is one of the easy tests to do for many people. And so, part of some of you've listened, uh, some of you who are listening have seen some YouTube videos of the ministry of Ray Comfort, where he goes to different college campuses or just on the streets, and you have the same perspective, that people think they are naturally good until you actually list their sins <laughs> in order. And so from lying against God, or so first from lying, from stealing, to adulterous or lustful thoughts, to taking the names Lord in vain, every aspect of the law. Yeah, he would take them through yeah. a battery of questions, right? Yeah. I've seen these videos. And he takes them through it, and eventually what happens is that if the person is thinking through what's going on, he realizes that after answering these questions, he is worse than when he originally thought. But what the gospel says is that even after answering those questions and you come to a sense of your real sinfulness, you still don't know how sinful you truly are. And that's because scripture is very clear that natural man hates God and hates his ways. It's one of the reasons why we seek so much to control our lives, because we hate the God who actually is sovereign over our lives. Yes. It's one of the reasons why people fight tooth and nail to keep their independence and autonomy. It's because they hate the God who actually rules, governs, and does all things according to the counsel of his own will. Now, the point is, in spite of all of that sort of stuff that goes on, Again, mankind will still rage against God or the other situation is that they will try to push God as far back in their mind as possible. Suppressing the truth suppressing, and unrighteousness. Suppressing the truth in Romans 1. But the point is, that is the proof of a person's sinfulness. They will not love, adore, and honor the God who made them and gives them life and gives them life so that they live right now. He is the one that upholds their very being. That is the sinfulness of man. And the problem with kind of the modern viewpoint today is that we only think of sins as kind of checking a box. We don't see sin as the all-pervasive wickedness in the core of mankind that pushes man to run from God and ultimately to rebel against him. But that being said, the Gospels are very clear, and I love the way that it's said in the Gospel of John. Jesus knew what was in man. And still he died for man. 
Mm. He knew what was in him. That's why Jesus did not entrust himself to man, mm. as it says in the Gospel of John. And yet we see that that same Jesus is the one who's willing to go all the way to the cross for his people. Amen. And it, it begins with an understanding of God as holy. And one thing that humanity has done uh, from the fall of mankind is to create false gods in their own image. And so you have the, the panoply of Greco-Roman gods uh, that are just as sinful as mankind, yeah, exactly. as it were. Uh, they're all caught up in affairs and murder and conceit and deceit and all of the, the sins of mankind that the gods, so-called, uh, are committing as well. And in some ways, that just leaves mankind in a place where they can be comfortable in their mm -hmm. sin yeah. because the gods are doing it as well. And yeah. it's all they know. But, but once you introduce the one true God, the, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, the, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is holy, holy, holy. Amen then there is a problem. And this is where the offense of the cross comes in. Uh, Christ came to reconcile us to God so that we can have peace with the one true and living God. Uh, all other gods, the Bible says, are idols and are worthless. Uh, but uh, God is the God of, of, of the heavens, and He created the heavens and the earth, and, and He is the true God, and we want to be in fellowship with Him. We want mm. to be back in communion with Him. The only way that happens is through a mediator mm. who will pay the debt of our sin and make us right before God through faith. We cannot have fellowship with God apart from the cross, apart from a bleeding and a dying, perfect, sinless sacrifice, mm -hmm. namely Jesus Christ. Gabe, isn't it true the whole Old Testament uh, sacrificial system mm -hmm. anticipated what Jesus did on the cross? It points to it in multiple different ways, and the way that a... The way that a Jewish person at the time of Jesus would have understood this once their eyes were open to understand the Gospels is that they would have seen all of the blood that was poured out in the temple and just put yourself in a situation of seeing countless uh, animals coming in time after time. I mean, some of you, some of you who may have kind of gone overseas, you've probably seen open ear markets where animals are slaughtered, and you go to a market to buy a particular animal, and you know what the goriness of that is. But imagine yourself being in a position of a priest, all of the blood being splattered, and you know that this needs to be done because sin is that abhorrent, and because we sin continuously all the time needing some sort of atonement for that but the reality what we know concerning the old testament is that even the blood of the most perfect bull and goat cannot pay for the sins of mankind but what it does do it focuses the mind to understand that every sin that is done whether intentionally or unintentionally requires sacrifice and that leads to the question what kind of sacrifice is needed for man's sin? And hence you point to all of the scriptures in Isaiah 
where it speaks about Jesus Christ being the perfect sacrifice who was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. Uh, the, our iniquities were laid upon him as kind of our scapegoat. And therefore, Jesus was uh, put to death for our sins. So all of it points forward to what the ultimate sacrifice was meant to do to train people to realize that Christ, the Christ, must die for the sins of his people. Liberal theology uh, teaches that uh, when Jesus was born into the world, that he was fostering uh, solidarity with humanity, and merely by him being born into the world and identifying with us as human beings, we are all saved. Uh, there's a kind of a, a universalism there, yeah. right? And and so that takes the sting out of the cross. I mean, mm -hmm. wedded to these liberal ideas about Christ's coming is this idea that Christ's work on the cross was uh, merely uh, a a a kind of sacrifice that shows an example of love to the world, forgiveness, and nothing about atonement, nothing about mm -hmm. propitiation, nothing about paying a debt, nothing yeah. about God's wrath being poured out. In fact, some of the world's most famous theologians uh, call the doctrine of uh, propitiation uh, uh, divine child abuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is uh, just a, a pernicious and a wicked thing to say about what Christ did. Uh, Christ bore the wrath of God. It's precisely why in um, the Mount of Olives uh, in Gethsemane, when he was praying and crying out to God and saying, uh, you remember in Luke chapter 22, and verse 41, he kneels before the Father in verse 42, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then he began to sweat great drops of blood. Why is this? Well, it's because he knew what he was, in fact, he didn't know. <laughs> he was overwhelmed with the idea of, of what it means to have the sins of all of the elect placed upon him mm. and God's wrath poured out upon him for those sins. Mm. And and he was headed there. His his being overwhelmed in Gethsemane was not primarily that he was going to be nailed to the cross physically, but that he was going to receive in his person the very wrath of God. And I wanted to read just a, a paragraph from John Willison's Sacramental Meditations uh, okay. on this point. He, he, he writes this, Oh, what cause could be given for the love of a bleeding Jesus? Well might he say, I loved you because I loved you, and I loved you freely. And oh, with what sorrow, pain, and agony was his bleeding love attended while his dear soul was overwhelmed with the terrible billows of his father's wrath. Mm -hmm. Christ knew well beforehand all these sufferings and all the ingredients in this cup, yet he would needs drink it for us. He foresaw the poison of God's arrows that would drink up his spirits, the burning thirst that the heat of divine wrath would create in him, yet willingly did he go and bleed and die like a lamb to the slaughter. O oh, love that passeth knowledge. Amen. Dear friend who is listening to this, uh, this is the extent, the, the glory of the love of God for you. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. Uh, mm -hmm. So as we uh, remember Good Friday, uh, 
which was a good day because our redemption was secured on it, mm-hmm. but it was also, we must say, the most horrible day in the, in the history of the world in that the Son of God was murdered by the hands of wicked men. But in this terrible act, the Lord uh, purposes it for the salvation of sinners, for the forgiveness of sins, for mercy and reconciliation and eternal life. Uh, and so this Good Friday, as you uh, contemplate these things, uh, we want to encourage you to contemplate the love of God for you. And, and if you um, are a member of Christ Church or if you're in the area and you, you would like to join us, we do have a Good Friday service um, at 6.30 p.m. Uh, at Christ Church Presbyterian at 486 Wando Park Boulevard and uh, in Mount Pleasant. And we would love for you uh, to join us for that time of meditating on the meaning of Uh, and the power and the glory of the death of Christ for us on the cross. Well, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Between the Times.